it's good to be back. I was actually on holidays this week, and I'm preaching today, so, you know, I'm not sure how, how responsible you can hold me for what I say today, but uh, actually, the reason why I took this week off is my mom and dad are here visiting. Give a wave, mom and dad. Yep. And, and so often when they've come to visit, I've just worked and barely seen them. And so this last week I, I took some extra time off to be with them, and I'm thankful for that. Um, but uh, anyway, we're in an amazing series on prayer, and I'm very excited about this series. And I'm very thankful for those who have uh, been part of the series so far. Uh, last week, Maddie shared with us, and that was amazing. And if you missed it, you want to catch up online. Uh, week before that, Terry Young shared, and I'm very thankful for what he had to say and learned a lot from him as I listened online because I was not here that Sunday. And uh, in past weeks, I've shared, and, and Doris has shared as well. I'm just thankful for that, that team who has been part of the series and is continuing to be part of the series. They're not done yet. Uh, as we walk this summer through this summer school of prayer, as we've called it, uh, learning to pray from Jesus. That's our central question. You know, the disciples, they came to Jesus after watching him pray over and over again, different ways, different situations. He'd take off time by himself to pray, or he would just be talking with his father throughout regular life. And as they watched Jesus do that, they eventually asked Jesus if he would let them in on what he was doing. They said, Will you teach us how to pray. And so Jesus did. And, and so we've been learning how to pray from Jesus. We've been coached by Jesus, as it were, how exactly we can have this kind of in, intimate, powerful, uh, meaningful conversation with the Father, just like, just like Jesus does. We've been taking it phrase by phrase through the summer. And today we come to what is often considered sort of the center of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. Or, as some of us are used to saying, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this has been our central question. Jesus, how are you teaching us to pray? And this morning we're asking that question. How are you teaching us to pray? What does it mean for us to pray to your Father, your kingdom come? Jesus, what does it look like for us to sit with the Father and then say, Father, we want your will to be done. Because Jesus actually wants us to know what that's like. That, that's where he wants to lead us. He wants us to be able to pray this prayer, to, to talk to his Father, to our Father in this way. And this is key. This is something we've been coming back to again and again. Remember, it's Jesus who's leading us into this relationship with his Father. Jesus wants us to be able to know his Father to enjoy his father, to, to, to walk with his father, to talk with him, to share with him, to laugh with him perhaps, certainly to cry with him, to be able to be honest, and just maybe even just be with him. And Jesus has invited us into this relationship that he already has with his father, and he's teaching us all through his life, all through his teaching, but in this prayer, he's teaching us how to relate to his father. Well, what was, that, what was that relationship like, that relationship that Jesus had with his father? We can see a lot of things about it. Books have been written on it. But I think one thing stands out really clearly when we look at the Gospels, when we examine how Jesus interacted with his father, how we talked about his father. One thing stands out very clearly, and it is this. Jesus trusted his father completely. And he submitted to his will 
every step of the way, every step of his life. This was true of Jesus. Now, a little bit of basic Christian theology here. Jesus, the Son of God, was not created. The Son of God has always existed in this beautiful relationship that Christians, be they Protestant or Catholic or Orthodox, believe is this trinity where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always shared this relationship of love and of intimacy and of power and of creativity from eternity past and into eternity future. And together, the triune God rules creation. Together, they, they dance, they, they vibrate with power, with love, with intensity. And they are the ones who are bringing about reconciliation and healing to this very broken world. Now, why do I remind you of all that? Because when Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, it comes out of this relationship that he has with his father, this relationship of trust and love and submission and confidence that has been going on for all eternity. It's important to realize that. And when the Son of God took on human flesh, when he was incarnated, when he became one of us, Jesus lived his life here on earth out of that relationship, fully submitted to his Father. He submitted his life to him, his plans to him, his his safety to him. He submitted his desires to him. Jesus submitted the words that he spoke and the places that he went and the people that he healed and the things that he walked by and and the things that he wouldn't ignore. All of that was in submission to his Father, to the perfect, loving care of God. And he teaches us to do the same. This is what he's doing through his life, but certainly what he's doing through this prayer. Well, why is he doing this? Why is he leading us this way? Why is he teaching us to say, your kingdom come? It's really because of what he's already shown us so far in this prayer. And we've only been a few phrases in. We know that. But it starts with the first two words, our father. Jesus has shown us that our father, his father, is a good father that we can trust. And then the next thing about him being in heaven, the the realization that this father who is good is, is near to us, and yet he's also the God over all. And now he's leading us to a posture of submission. The same submission that he has to his father is what Jesus is inviting us into. Now this phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done, is very well known, but as a result perhaps often misunderstood, I think. Some of us, I get a little squeamish sometimes, even about praying it, frankly, but about some of the ways it's prayed. And so I wanted to address some of those things because I think sometimes, even for us sitting here now, and some of us have you know, prayed this prayer all our lives, some of us brand new to it, some of us are holding back a bit, rightfully so, trying to check this Jesus thing out, not sure at all if you're even willing to go down that path of this prayer, and I acknowledge that. And sometimes the reason why we pull back from your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is because we've got some obstacles. We've got, we, there's some things we've been told that this means or we've seen lived out. And so I'd like to address at least eight things that I think it's not. Is that clear? Bad grammar, I know. But eight things that it's, it doesn't mean. You know, to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, it doesn't mean this. So there's at least eight things I want to identify that I hope 
will help you if there's some particular barriers to praying this prayer that have maybe hung you up over the years, okay? So, so let's just rattle through them. Eight things that, that praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is not. With me? All right, first one. It's not a resignation to the evil things that are happening around us. Now, this is fairly obvious because Jesus wouldn't be telling us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven if somehow it was already completely true, right? So the very fact that he's telling us to pray, you know, your kingdom come is acknowledging that there are things in the world that are not right. Now, we intuitively know this, but it's surprising sometimes how Christians have done some theological backflips that have made them somehow pray this prayer as though everything that's happening is according to God's will when it's not. And it's led them to sort of, well, thy will be done, as though, well, I guess because it happened, it's God's will. That's not true. It's false. God hates evil. And he calls his church to battle against injustice, to to care for those who've been neglected, to speak up for those who are being hurt, right? To battle against evil. And so we're not saying when we pray, thy kingdom come, it's not this sort of resignation to the evil things that are happening. The second thing it doesn't mean is that God's will is always unknown. It's always mysterious. Sometimes we've been told that. Well, you know, we don't know what God is up to. It's clearly not what we think is going on. There must be no way of really understanding what God is up to. But that's not true. We can often know what God's will is. He revealed it very clearly in his word, in the Bible. He has told us again and again what his will is for relationships, what his will is in the world, what his, what his will is in how we treat people, how we treat his earth. He, he's, he's shown us that. He's, 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 a time and time again, he's revealed his deepest desires for us. In that sense, his will is knowable. It's, it's known. And we can pray that God's will will be done in very specific ways. And the marriages will be restored. That neglected children will be loved. That those who are suffering under systemic injustice would somehow come to freedom. We can pray that. We can pray that with confidence because God has revealed that as his will. We can pray that people who are far away, far away from Jesus, have no idea that they're loved that are seeking meaning in, in, in a whole variety of things, relationships or, or, or sex or addiction or, or work, and somehow trying to fill that thing that they can't fill. We can pray, knowing that it's God's will, that they would discover who they are, that they're loved, and that they don't need to go out and find all these things to fill the only thing that only God can, can fill. And so we can pray that, knowing that, that it's God's will. Praying your kingdom come, your will, done, will be done does not mean it's, it's just some big, unknowable, mysterious thing. Point three, having said that, now I give the counterpoint. Praying that God's will be done doesn't mean we always exactly know what should be done. Does this sound like I'm talking about both sides of my mouth? I am, kind of. Because while God's will is obviously revealed in many, many, many situations, there are times where we are confused. We just don't know. And sometimes it's in areas that aren't that clear. Like, should I move to Winnipeg or not? Yeah. Uh, or, or, yeah, well, maybe that was very clear. Uh, 
But you know what I'm saying? There, there can be life decisions, crossroads, um, uh, difficult, complex relationship situations, work situations where, where we're just not exactly sure. Like broadly, we know that God would want people to be loved and relationships to be restored, but we don't know the way ahead. We don't know exactly what we should do. And so there's times where, uh, you know, you know, we maybe shouldn't be as overconfident as we can tend to be. We are often confused. And so praying your will be done is, is a way of saying, Lord, I don't know exactly what should happen here, but I do want your will to be done. Number four, praying your will be done doesn't mean that we should just stop asking God to reveal his will in a particular situation. In other words, I've kind of covered it off and now I don't need to keep seeking God's will. There's times where coming back to that, allowing this prayer to be that framework for you where we come back to a particular situation or maybe it's a marriage struggle that you're having or maybe it's, maybe it's a problem at work. I don't know. Maybe it's a health struggle. But you're keep, you keep coming back and asking God to reveal, what is your will here? Lord, would you show it to me? Would you reveal to me what I should do or how I should respond or what you're up to? So it doesn't mean we should stop asking that. Number five, it's also not an abdication of our responsibility to see his will done. You see, there are many times, I think, when we pray, Lord, we want your will to be done, where God is saying, well, actually, I've given you responsibility to see that my will is done in that situation. I, 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 I've explained very clearly that you need to pursue forgiveness, for example. And until you do, it's going to be hard for my will to be done. And so praying this prayer isn't to say you're no longer responsible to actually live out his will, to pursue his will, to do his will in your life. Related to that, not only is it not an abdication of our responsibility, it's, it's not an excuse to avoid obedience when it's obvious what God wants. There are times where we actually kind of know what God wants us to do, but we don't want to do it. Or am I the only one (laughs) who's been in that situation? So where you're praying, and it's like you keep praying God's will, please please God, let your will be done, and God's saying, but you know what it is. And your prayer now, you keep coming back to me to ask me this now, is just your way of avoiding what I've already told you to do. And so it's one of those rare times God says, stop praying to me. <laughs> Not really, but, you know, could you just stop already and start doing what I've asked you to do? So we can't just use this as a, a way of avoiding obedience when it's already obvious what God wants us to do. Number seven, it's not a catch-all prayer. I know some of us who are especially maybe we're tired of praying, just tired of it, frankly been trying it for too long or something or we need to freshen it whatever wherever you're at some of us think well great i don't have to get into the nitty-gritty of what should happen in this situation i don't need to really seek i'm just going to say lord your will be done and i thanks i'm off i don't think that's quite what jesus intended that it would just be the catch-all prayer to cover everything because in a way i mean you could get up in the morning be done in 10 seconds and move on There's something about this relationship that Jesus is inviting us into. There's something about having to explore in various situations, in various relationships, to pray that God's will would be done, to pray that his kingdom would come. It doesn't relieve us of the need to pray insightfully and meaningfully and specifically. 
for God's kingdom to come in your friend's life, your son's life, your daughter's life, or maybe particular cultural situations that are breaking down hurts and tensions that are existing in our world. It doesn't relieve us of that need to pray his will specifically. And then number eight, praying this is not a cloak for our own personal agenda. There have been times, I know this will astonish some of you who are new to the whole church thing, but Christians have been known to pray God's will be done when really it's their will that's being done. I know that comes as an astonishing fact to all of you. It's possible to say, hey, we're just praying that God's will be done, when actually you're just pushing your own personal agenda. It's true. And, and so it can't be that, right? Somehow, Jesus is not saying, use this as a way of manipulating others to get on your side and do what you want them to do. Because if they disagree with you or if they aren't sure or if they've got more questions or they want to spend a little more time, then they must be resisting God's will. It's not meant that way. It's meant for us as a community to be able to discern together what is God's will for us and at times be confronted by our own personal agenda, our own will that we may have been pushing after. Well, those are at least eight things that praying this prayer is not. And I identify them because there are times when I think we pull back from praying this prayer or this phrase authentically and fully because we aren't sure exactly what it means. So if that's not what it is, then what is it? I think the best example we have comes from a time when Jesus himself had to pray this, had to fully pray this. Remember, Jesus prayed. We talked about this early on. Jesus prayed for many of the same reasons that we pray. He prayed when he was overwhelmed by a busy schedule. Anyone? Anyone? He he prayed when he was stressed about people. That covers off about 80% of us. He he prayed when he was at a big crossroads and he had to make big decisions. He prayed when he was worried about his friends. He prayed when he was tired. He he prayed when he was at a loss. He prayed, and in particular, the passage we're going to look at now, he prayed when he was just super overwhelmed, struggling, afraid, wondering what was going on. I think we can all relate to that. And so Jesus, here in this story, right before he was betrayed and arrested, he prays in a time of incredible stress and struggle. I'm I'm reading from Matthew 26. Uh, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. It's a garden. And he, he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. So they're, they're, you know, they're there with him, but a little bit of distance. Then he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee, so three of them, he took along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, listen to this, this is Jesus. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. We often don't think of Jesus quite that way, do we? Overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death? This is Jesus we're talking about. Incredible struggle. And he says, he says to these three friends, stay here and keep watch with me. He's absolutely overwhelmed. He's in trouble. He's distressed. He, he needs friends and yet he's feeling terribly alone. 
He's afraid. He wants to die. I mean, have any of you ever been in that kind of place with your prayer? Can you relate to this, what Jesus is talking about? He can relate to you in your place of feeling incredibly overwhelmed, sorrowful, even to the point of death, when you just don't know if you can go on anymore. And I know that for some of you, that hits home. Because that's what your year has been like. It's what your decade has been like. Maybe just last week, it's been a real struggle for you. Feeling overwhelmed. Well, this is Jesus. This is how he's feeling. Going a little farther, so now away from his three friends, he he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, and this is what he prays, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup, may this event, may this thing that's coming, may this trial be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said, Are you still sleeping? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus knew what was coming and he didn't want it. He didn't want any part of it. He's asking the Father, is there any way around this? Is there some kind of other possibility, some workaround, you know, some way that we could repair the damage that's been done to the world that didn't involve that? Is there some other way that we can bring men and women and children back into right relationship with you that I wouldn't have to be abandoned by you, that I wouldn't have to suffer the way I'm going to suffer, that I wouldn't have to drink the cup I'm going to have to drink. Is there any other way? Have we explored all the possibilities? Because if there's a way around this, I want to take it. This is what he's asking. It's an honest, gut-wrenching, raw prayer. It's real. He's distraught. It's an incredible model for prayer. This kind of unedited, heart wide open conversation with God. Telling Him exactly what you're feeling. Telling Him exactly what you're afraid of. Telling Him exactly what you don't want to go through. Sometimes we think when we pray, Thy will be done, it requires that we never question. (laughs) That we never push back. 
But this is exactly what we see Jesus doing. Saying, God, is there some other way around this? And we see that modeled in the Psalms as well, those collection of 150 prayers from the people of God where we have very honest conversation with God, sometimes uncomfortably honest about how they feel and what they think God should do. And this is the model for prayer that Jesus gives to us. Because then, what does Jesus do? After telling his father what he wants, a way out. I mean, once his father's will to be done, but, but if there's another way of doing it, let's take that. After telling the father that, very clearly, he then fully submits himself to his father's will. Yet not as I will, but as you will. If this other way isn't possible, may your will be done. How could Jesus do this? Or more to the point for us as we're learning from him to pray, how can we, how can you and I pray this prayer? You know, Terry Young, a few weeks ago, used the phrase of, um, there's a creative unfolding in this prayer. A way in which we start at our Father and we move to who is in heaven and then hallowed be your name and your kingdom come. The way it creatively unfolds and leads us. And that, I believe, contains a key, really, to understanding how we could ever pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, authentically, honestly. And so let me, let me talk about a little bit about how this unfolds. The only way we can pray this, and I realize here, let me just say it, I realize that for some of us, we're not there yet. I get it. I really do. And, and some of us are here today and we're going, I'm not ready to pray that prayer. I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad you're able to be honest about that. The truth is, for some of us who've been following Jesus for a while, we may not be ready to pray it either. But I just want to acknowledge that, 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 you know, some of us aren't. But let's see how this unfolds. The only way we can really pray this prayer, really pray this prayer, is if we trust that we have a good father. And that's where Jesus, I've already said it earlier, that's where Jesus starts us off. Our father. Jesus fully trusted his father. That the Father is truly good. That there isn't some sort of hidden agenda that is going to bite us if we trust him. Rather, we have a good Father who will watch out for us and will bring us through. Now, he might bring us through real difficulty. Don't get me wrong. He might bring us through significant trials. But he will bring us through. He will not abandon us. We can fully trust him as our Father the one who has done everything possible so that we could be included in his family. And Jesus invites us into that trusting relationship with his father, the father that we can fully trust. We can pray this, this is the second phrase, who is in heaven. We can pray this because we're confident that our good father is powerful and he's present. He's not far off somewhere wondering, I wonder, I wonder how my kids are doing. You know, he's not off on a business trip. He's not disengaged. Nor is he powerless and unable to do anything at all. Jesus knew his good father was very present, very close. And yet also the sovereign, mighty creator, the king over all. That nothing was beyond his notice nor beyond his reach. 
And this awful thing that was before Jesus, this thing that he was dreading, was the very way that God was going to affect our inclusion to bring us into his family. And somehow Jesus knew that even though he was afraid of it, his abandonment by his father was so that we could be finally included. And Jesus was willing to endure that if that was the way the father, knowing that his father would bring him through, knowing that he was powerful and that he was present. And Jesus teaches us to pray to his father, to our father, who is near to us and is incredibly powerful, the sovereign God over all. So that's the first two phrases. The next phrase, we can pray this, 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 your will be done, your kingdom come. We can pray this when our heart is ultimately all for the glory and renown of the Father. Remember what's at the heart of it all. Maddie shared last week, powerfully, I believe, teaching us the truth that at the very heart of Jesus' prayer, at the very heart of his ministry, both here, expressed here in the garden, but expressed through every action he took and every word he spoke, that everything Jesus was about was that God's name, God's person, that God the Father would be known, would be loved, would be seen and adored and worshipped in the world. That that's at the heart of it all. And he believed that if that was true, if God's name was made holy, if his character was known and loved and adored, people would be set free. Injustice would stop. Neglected people would be loved. This is true because the Father who created this world is good and his love, when it's being responded to, when people are, are living in it, lives are changed. That's at the heart of Jesus' prayer. That starts off the first petition in the Lord's Prayer. And we're being led into that by Jesus. We're being led into his heart. His sole or single or primary desire is that his Father would be known. And as as we get close to Jesus and as we let him lead us in, then our heart grows so that we want nothing more than our good Father to be glorified, to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be holy, to be revered and worshipped and loved and experienced in the world. That's what it means to pray, hallowed be your name. If you missed it last week, please go online and listen to it. This is the creative unfolding that, that Terry referred to a few weeks ago. And Jesus leads us to understand who God truly is and how much We want him to be known and loved and experienced. And it's from that that we're able then to fully submit to his good will for us, his transforming kingdom for the world. It's because of this foundation that we're able to truly pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, Olin, I didn't warn you about this, but I want to know what you guys have to think uh, this morning, what you have to say. And, uh, and so I'd like to open it up for a bit of discussion. I'm giving you warning. Talk for another minute or so. And then I want to hear what you have to say. So questions you might have, thoughts you might have generally about prayer, but specifically about the struggle or the challenge of praying your kingdom come. And we'll have a, a mic roving around uh, answering, asking some of those, those questions. But so, so, so be thinking. Be, be thinking of that. But for now... Uh, let me just share with you two ways that praying this, this phrase has been a challenge for me or decisions that I've had to make because of it. The first one is that 
praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, really, Jesus really pushes me to trust. Because you know what? When I pull back from praying this prayer, your kingdom come, it's often because I have a trust problem. I am not sure that if his will was done, I would like it. <laughs> I'm not sure I, I do. I'm not sure I, I, I really trust him. And, and, and I realize as I, as I examine my own heart, if Jesus pushes me to trust, to, to, to really fix my attention and my eyes on his good father, and to understand how good he truly is, I realize that when I have any pullback from this, it's often because I don't trust him. And I want to. I need to. You know what? If Jesus trusts his life to him, I think I can too. Right? And so Jesus invites me into that. It reminds me that you know, often at the heart of the human condition is a lack of trust in God. Even if you go back to that earliest story of Adam and Eve. You know, it all came down to them not trusting that God's will for them, that his plan for the world, his plan for our lives, was really and truly good. They wondered if God was holding out on them, right? And based on that mistrust, they blew everything up. So Jesus pushes me back to trust, or rather leads me into the trust that he has with his father. That's the first thing I'm challenged by. The second thing is, is has to do with that ugly word we all hate called submission. <laughs> Jesus invites me to submit the way that he submitted to his father. Because one of the other reasons I hesitate to pray this prayer isn't just because I got a trust issue, it's because I have a sin issue. <laughs> I have a sin problem. I have a self problem. Not only do I not trust that what God's will, you know, will be, might not be good for me or whatever, but there's times when, frankly, I just don't want to. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And, 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 and <laughs> am I the only one who thinks that? I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, right? And I've got a problem. So the whole idea of submitting Ah, it kind of grates a little bit. Or a lot. I need to submit. I can't do that unless I trust. But I need to submit. I need to I need to repent. I need to acknowledge the times when I say, God, ah, I don't want to do it your way, but I'm going to. I don't want to relate to that person the way you want me to. I want to hold a grudge. I want to sleep with them. I want to backstab them. That's what I want to do. But I'm going to do what you want me to do because I know that's what's best. I'm going to submit my life to you. Maybe it's an issue at work. Maybe it's something core in your family. Maybe it's a long-standing addiction. Whether that's an addiction to bitterness <laughs> or an addiction to a particular substance or an addiction to narcissism. I, I'm not sure yourself. Whatever it is. 
I'm going to submit to you, Lord. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to be honest, as Jesus was, about my struggle, but at the end of the day, just like Jesus, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to submit my life to you. Well, those are two ways that I am challenged as I pray this prayer. But I'd love to hear from you. What are ways that you are being challenged? If you have something you'd like to add, comment, question, uh, just, just a thought, a particular thing you're challenged by, uh, just raise your hand and Olin's going to bring you a microphone. Or do you, need, do you need help with that, Olin? You got it? Okay, Ellen, first. Oh, just take the microphone, Ellen, and then we can all hear you. Excellent. <laughs> Don't know if you want to. We want to hear you. Yes, all right. Well, one of the things that, that happens to us as Christians is that we're still fully human and we go through things. And I personally, and we personally, have been through a tremendous amount of things. And when that happens, to be a genuine person, you have to admit that it's hard to believe that there is a God who actually loves you, who really cares about the pain you're in. Um, And even, I mean, you look to people, and people can't fix it. People can't do it, not even people in the church. Um, But... When it comes right down to it, again, it comes to faith, uh, submitting, letting go, trusting God. And I, I mean, I've been so long through the, the dark valley that coming back up into the sunshine, takes a, it takes a, a step of faith to say, you know, Jesus says we have not because we ask not. If anybody lacks faith, let them ask for it. So faith is a gift. And I'm recognizing that It's a step, you know, a first step is to say, I really want it back, Lord. I really need you. You know, if you've ever known the Lord, you really want him back. Um, But yet um, when self has reigned for a a number of years or some time, um, you you can't expect that you're suddenly going to rise up. Although God will surprise us sometimes and just lift us up quick. Anyway, my comment was that that I, I really identify with what you're saying. I, I know what people go through. And uh, we all live with pains, different kinds of pain. Mm-hmm. God knows when, when we can see it as a, a process, uh, a learning, a growing, a character building, mm-hmm. then, uh, as James says, we have a good reason for the, the suffering, you know, the building of our faith and the blessing of other people as they see us come through as winners. Thank you, Ellen. I think a lot of people resonate with what you just said. Um, Yes, thank you. Anyone else want to comment or contribute? Dwayne, over here, Olin. Right down. Dwayne, keep your hand up. Yeah, I'm going to have to wait. When I look back at... uh, my life, I see the times when I feel like God was leading me were times when I was uncertain of my own. And uh, that's when he asked me to trust him. And oftentimes it was just like one step at a time. Um, the times when I was cocksure of, of where God was leading me and I was, I was certain oftentimes that didn't turn out so well. So I think trust is a very key issue here when it comes to following God. Thank you, Dwayne. Others?
ways that you've been challenged or pushed, questions that you might have. That's okay if there's none. But if there's one more, put your hand up now. Good. Thanks, Owen. Oh, Joan. The buzzer had already gone, but we're going to let her in anyway. Thanks, Joan. So trying to say the prayer at least once a day, it's really hard to stay on topic. This might be a little far off today's topic, but uh, my mind wanders, and I keep on dragging it back. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm wondering, how can I fix that? That's great. Thank you, Joan. I think a lot of us could relate to our minds wandering in prayer. <laughs> hands up. Yep, everyone's hands up pretty much. Um, and particularly because we've encouraged, and, and most people who teach on the Lord's Prayer encourage us to use it like a framework. So certainly say the whole prayer, but to pause. And we've done this all along this summer. We've said pause. Today I'm going to say it again. Pause and take time to pray in that particular section of the prayer, as it were. And I, I, I just let me, let me just say, Joan, I know, I find all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, I am like, what should I get at the grocery store? Who should I call? And I'm like, wait a minute, I was right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. And now I'm like off in la-la land or to-do lists or whatever. So I, I really get that. The best advice I've ever received is that you just go, oh, oh look at me on a rabbit trail, where was I? And then go back to it. And if it's 45 minutes later or the next day, that's okay. Um, I I think what's beautiful about the Lord's Prayer is it is very open, and it allows the Holy Spirit to lead us, to teach us, Jesus to coach us in that. Um, One of the ways that has been helpful for people has been some sort of physical, uh, you know, uh, some sort of physical thing that has helped them, Even even a bookmark, of course, the text in front of you, um, uh, some people have used uh, different mementos. Uh, Catholics have the rosary. Uh, but the ways of keeping a person kind of on track, that's been used by, by some folks. But I think the most, the most common one is just, uh, you know, to, to allow the, the, the prayer to breathe and at times acknowledge the rabbit trails might even be part of the prayer. And then also just come back to it and keep, keep praying it. And know that this is all grace. And Jesus is just, the Father is just thrilled that we're having a conversation. And uh, you know, probably one of the funnest things, best things you can do is go, oh, look at that, Father. Now I'm talking to you that I need to remember to get a pineapple at this store. And uh, just acknowledge it as, as part of the conversation that we're having with God, that he is near to us, that he's involved in our whole lives. And uh, he's not upset at all if we've lost track somewhere in the middle of that conversation. I hope that helps, but. Alan, you want to add? Yep, do it. Get the mic, though. Owen's going to bring you the mic. Hi. I just got excited when you started talking about prayer again, too, because I remember my struggles about it. Like, I'm not a, a very exacting person or a highly organized person. And it came to me one day that God wants me to pray. He made me me. There's nobody who's me. There's nobody who's you. So he wants me to pray the way he made me. 
One of the ways that he made me was to love music. So if I put on worship music, for instance, that's a prayer. I'm singing it. I'm dancing it. And uh, God knows that's, that's yeah. a prayer to him. So, I don't know. I just thought about it and I wanted to share it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, Alan. And finding the unique ways that really are meaningful to you. A lot of people walk when they pray. A lot of people join with friends when they pray. There's a lot of unique ways. That's beautiful. Thank you for that, Ellen. Worth exploring more. And maybe on our prayer retreat on the 20th, we'll have opportunities to explore some of the unique ways that each one of us can pray. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, one of the applications that we're asking all of us to do, Joan mentioned it, is, is trying to pray this prayer every day. It can be as quite literally as short or as long as you'd like. We talked about it. Prayers that, you know, the Lord's Prayer could extend to the next day, depending on how distracted you get. Um, But also, it really can take 35 seconds kind of thing. So what we're encouraging everyone to do, keep doing, is to pray this prayer regularly. Pray it multiple times a day, but certainly try to pray it once a day. Uh, Pray it with your kids. Pray it at dinner time. uh, And then, as you are doing that, let Jesus coach you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. There may be something in the prayer that provokes your mind and and that rabbit trail really is led by the holy spirit to pray for somebody or to pray god's will in a particular situation so be praying that prayer but this week i do want to encourage you to pause in the prayer specifically as you pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven i'd like to to identify three areas as you pray and we're going to pray for them this morning as well as we close The first one is to identify one area of your life, your personal life. Maybe it's a family situation. Uh, Maybe it's uh, something going on at work. Maybe it's health, a health crisis in in your own life or in your family's life. Maybe it's a relationship that's that's broken down. Whatever it is, uh, somewhere, an area of your life where you just really want to see God's will done. Where you're maybe, maybe you are confused or maybe you know what should happen, but you want to pray this prayer honestly, uh, authentically into that situation to identify what that is. You don't have to do that right now, but you might already know what it is. In your heart and mind, you might already have identified that. But I want to encourage you this week to identify a personal area. And this week, as you pray the Lord's Prayer, to pause and pray that God's will would be done in that particular uh, personal situation. Then I'd like you to expand it out and identify one area of need within our valley. One area of need. Um, we all know people. We all are aware of situations. We're, we're, maybe we're in touch with someone who's experiencing some particular difficulty. Uh, maybe it's broader than that. I don't know. But to identify an area of need within our broader valley and to pray that god's kingdom would come and his will be done and as we do that to be attentive to that see one of the things that i identified is you know the pickers are back have you noticed the pickers are back and with the pickers come opportunities for gospel relationships it also comes with opportunities to fight and have tension and experience anger and bitterness and and uh disdain for people from a different culture. It brings with that. It brings that opportunity too. Did you notice? That's a need within our valley. That we as a church, that as Christians, 
that we would be people of grace and reconciliation and love and service to the pickers in our valley. So in particular, I think of the relationship with the pickers. Whatever form that takes, that's an area that we want to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done. But be attentive to that because if you're going to pray that prayer, Jesus just might challenge you to be part of the answer to that prayer in how you speak to them on the street, how you relate to them in the store, how you serve them at the picker's lunch on the 23rd, how you stop and pick them up as they need rides, how you smile and wave. I don't know. He just might challenge you or invite you to be part of the answer to his prayer that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. Now that's an area I've identified and we're going to pray for that. But this week, what I'm challenging you to do is to identify an area of need that, that has come to your attention. I'm not saying it has to do with the pickers. It could have to do with a host of other things. But I, I'm challenging you to identify an area of need. And then now to the broader world, to also identify an area of hurt in our broader world in which we know that God's kingdom needs to come. We're constantly barraged by stuff in the news. I get that. But maybe there's something in particular that's been on your heart. Maybe it's the racial tension that has just been, well, just on and on and on. But again, and this week, um, south of the border. Uh, maybe there's, there's this, you know, as we reflect on um, some of the, the cultural changes. I don't know what it is but, uh, for, for you, but to be asking that God's will would be done, that the good Father's will would be done in that particular area of hurt where, where there's been a lack of reconciliation, where, where lives have been destroyed. It could be on a global scale. But to pray, our Father who is present to us is also powerful. And to pray. So those are the three areas I want to challenge you to identify as, as, as you pray this week. But would you join me as we pray it now, pray it together? And those are the three areas that I'm going to focus on as we pray. And then as uh, we finish praying, or I finish praying, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. You are so amazing. And we stand today and we trust you and we submit to you. And we want nothing more than your name to be hallowed in the world. For people to know how good you are. To know how trustworthy you are and how faithful you are. So that as we submit our lives to you, our lives are healed and restored. That's what we want, Lord. Hallowed be your name. You hallow your name in the world. And Lord Jesus, I want to ask this morning that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Specifically, first of all, in areas of personal need in our lives. There are so many. So many of us here today have fractured marriages or we're connected to those with fractured marriages. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that your heart of restoration and healing would flow into broken marriages. There are many of us here today who are struggling with relationships that have been broken, relationships with kids, relationships with siblings, with parents, with friends 
business partners, people from the past. And Lord Jesus, we ask that your will would be done. Father, that your kingdom would come. Many of us struggle with tremendous health concerns, personal and in family life. Mental health concerns, physical health concerns, emotional health concerns. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you would heal. Father, that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come, that restoration would flow. There are other areas of concern that are personal, be they at work or at school. Lord Jesus, I just pray that in each of these situations, your Father's goodwill would be done. And broadening that out, Father, to our valley, there are many areas of need in our valley. And some of us are aware of some of those needs. And I pray this week as we pray this prayer, you would, you would bring to our heart and our attention specific areas of need that you want us to pray your will being done. Today, I, I want to mention and pray for our relationship with the fruit pickers who come from all over, many of them from Quebec, South America, um, and around the world. Father, we acknowledge and repent of, of attitudes we've carried toward people from another culture, people who are different than us. We repent of that because that's sin. It's wrong. It's not your heart. It's not the Father's heart for these people. And having repented of that, Father, we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in, in our, our relationship with the cherry pickers and the, 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 the workers that have come to our valley to serve. I ask that you would make us good news people, that your will would be done in our lives and in our hearts, and that we'd be attentive to your call to serve and to love and to reach out, not to hide away or look away, but to lean in. I pray that you would lead me in that because I acknowledge my first uh, response is to pull away. And I repent of that, Lord, and ask that you would lead me. And Lord, as we think of the broader world, there are so many things. I, I hesitate to even talk about the areas of conflict in the world or or racial prejudice, or the violence that has broke out yet again uh, here and, and worldwide. Your heart breaks for a world that you love. I specifically today want to acknowledge um, the acts of violence this week that hit the news, many racially motivated, and I ask that your righteousness would flow, that reconciliation would come between people of different racial backgrounds, that your church, your people would stand and, and show what your will being done actually looks like as we love one another, as we cross boundaries. We pray that your will would be done, your kingdom would come, that people would experience your goodness right from here, right from our lives to this valley, to the world. And this week as we pray this prayer, I pray that you would lead us into your heart for the world. Would you stand and let's pray together the Lord's Prayer. The words are on the screen.
pray this together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amanda's going to come and her team is going to lead us in one more song, which is one of the songs we've been singing this summer as a way of continuing to pray the Lord's Prayer.